Thank you for tuning into Brewed Up, a podcast where two LA-based female homebrewers chat, laugh, and learn about craft beer, home brewing, and whatever else comes to mind. Tyler is based in the San Fernando Valley and has been homebrewing for two and a half years. Lori is based in South LA and has been making cider for seven years. This show is available to listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, and more. Now, here's the show. Welcome to Brewed Up. It's hot. Beer is so good. We have no choice. We have come back here to Brewed Up, the podcast, to discuss Crispies. Crispy boys. <laughs> oh, Crispy boys and crispy girls. They both exist. They do. So this is yeah. going to be a special show featuring some local beers. Mm-hmm, and we can mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about how that crispy came to be. Okay. okay. Some his- historical crispy mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. 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 Let's do it. Yeah. So I have two crispies from south of the 10. And what do you have? Um, I have three crispies. Three crispies. Yeah. From up here in the, the uh, I wouldn't say the San Fernando Valley exclusively. I would just say, I guess, north of the 101 freeway. Okay. <laughs> so, like North LA, like North Los Angeles County area. Um, I managed to, to get three. There's some good choices up here. I think there's a lot less than South LA, but um, or that that area, but we got some good choices up here for sure. Um, so yeah, I already cracked my beer. Sorry. <laughs> um, but I am drinking my first beer. I'm drinking a premium lager from uh Brewyard Beer Company. I've actually never been there in person, so where is that? Sorry, but it it's in Glendale. Oh, and they kind of like their thing is like they specialize in like uh california common style-esque beers i guess i don't know i've never been there but i hear it's pretty good so i'm drinking their premium lager which is like i don't know probably like a miller light i guess equivalent or something like that okay nice nice it's not bad it's pretty good very cool very cool so what we've about defined you? oh I have um, I have the Brewery West Pop Fuji again. <laughs> I'm just, I just now realized I drank this on the last episode, but it it I don't know. Maybe that's a testament. That's your it's your ultimate crispy beer. It's, it's also like it's kind of a treat. Like it's not that easy to find. Um, I know. Tell me about it. Remember, I texted you that there were Pop Fujis at the grocery outlet and. 
Altadena. Yes. And then all of a sudden they were gone. The guy was yeah. like, yeah, they sold out super quick. I was yeah, like, I don't see them at Whole Foods anymore. I only found the BevMo in Manhattan Beach had them. And even Brewery West himself were sold out of the four packs. You had to get a crowler. So I was like, wow. Dang. I really. I should have got some yesterday. Uh, I was at a Valley Bev. <clears throat> I failed. Mm. Yeah, they have a lot of Brewery West stuff there. So just for some of our new viewers or people that are new to drinking craft beer, a crispy beer is like, let's see, to define high carbonation, dry, balanced, not too hoppy, low to medium IBU, tastes a little malt, not super sweet. Anything else to add? Uh, lower on the ABV usually. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Like, you know, I mean, six is like for me. Six is like pushing it. I think that's like the end of the line for me. Like, so four to like four to six is probably a good ABV range because it's like that beer that you want to you know crush a few when it's hot out. You don't want to be it's not like yeah, like I don't know how people just slam five IPAs in like a hundred degree weather. That sounds gross. <laughs> it's just like that's too much. So six is like for me for a crispy beer. Six is the the maximum amount of alcohol content. I I would I agree. Know. I think in terms of like a crispy beer, low ABV. Um, I also love like Miller. I love Miller Lite. Sometimes if I open the fridge to get, I love LaCroix. And let's say there's no LaCroix in the fridge, but there's like a Miller Lite. I'll just, you know, it'll be like one o'clock in the afternoon. I'll think, mm, I mean, I could, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of part of the crispy appeal. It's not going to fuck you up. It's not going to slam you hard to the body slam you into the not ground. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like 10 deep and you're like, Ugh. So I like this beer. I fell in love with this beer a while ago. I had it on tap somewhere. Um, this crazy weird place called The Dog House in uh, University Village. I think there's one. I've seen them around. I think it's a franchise, but they have like hot dogs and beer. Oh, I was going to say, like, the restaurant? Yeah. Like, the hot dog restaurant? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's, like, one up the street from my house. They have, like, kind of, like, a pretty good tap list. Yeah, Um, I still, I know they have a, there's actually a beer garden at the one by my house I still haven't gone, but now that we're where we're at, I just, mm -hmm. maybe after. Obviously. I found my way there. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you find um, a DeLorean get in it <laughs> get it <laughs> yeah dad joke <laughs> i can't help it okay so um this other thing about crispies is they are so cold but i think it's part of it's like they're fermented cold and they're aged cold so a well the one that i'm drinking is called unfiltered we'll have to figure that out later but the aging process, the lagering or the maturation allows for everything to fall out and very, very clear beer. 
and um, more of a melding of flavors is is what I'm sensing and reading about. Yeah, I think um, I I started reading this book. I'm not super deep into it yet, but it's actually very interesting for those who are interested in the history of loggers. It's called A Brief History of Loggers, 500 Years of Something, Something, Something. And it was quite, <laughs> sorry, I haven't even read the title yet. I'm that far into the book. <laughs> um, but they basically were saying, because um, I remember the first episode, we were like, that's like always the question. What's the difference between a pilsner and a lager? And what, you know, what I read in this book, even like the first few pages is like, look, lager is like a whole, it's like a style of beer. You know, when you split beers, all the, there's all the styles, you split beers into like kind of two main c- categories, maybe three if you count like sour and wild beer. But it's ales, lagers, and then under lager, you have so many different styles. You have Pilsner, you have the Hellas, the, you know, we had the Doppelbach from Whoa. Georgia, mm-hmm. American Light Lager. So, mm-hmm. and um, the main, uh, this it says like the simplest three things that define a lager are the yeast that they use. So it's like the Saccharomyces pastorianus. I don't like saying that. I don't know why. <laughs> Saccharomyces pastorianus. Um, it's fermented at cold temperature and it's long stored and long or long lagered at cold temperature. And so that came out of like, you know, back in the day when they only they didn't have their own refrigeration. So they had to dig down deep underground or like into hillsides. And, you know, put the beer in the barrels and cold store them where it was naturally like, you know, 38 degrees or or 50 degrees, 45 degrees, whatever. And it was there for months, like literally months. It's crazy. Um, so that's I mean, that was some of the history that I, I read behind what a lager is and where it kind of came to be. And nowadays, I mean, people I mean, you know, people don't follow the exact tradition. They probably do out in Germany still, probably at some places. But typically nowadays, you just, you know, have like a temperature-controlled fermenter or fer- fermentation chamber and and control it that way. I feel like as homebrewers, you're like kind of become obsessed with how to, like you want to categorize things and you want to def- really define different styles and that's good because there's a lot of things to learn from that um the history of a style or like the region where it comes from or what that style speaks to like the different elements but i also have to like remind myself it's also it's a food product it's something that's made you know you can have a fucking sushi taco and still think it's really delicious and love it, you know, fusion (laughs) or just like something to drink. I just like today I packaged what I've been telling myself is a dark mild this whole time. But after taking the final gravity reading and calculating the um, ABV, 
and then looking mm-hmm. back over my notes and kind of realizing that I had to make some last minute substitutes. And also since I used uh, DME and this and that, I was just kind of thinking maybe it's it's not a dark mild, maybe it's just a brown ale. And I need to like not be so caught up with all this exacting. I mean, it, it does matter well, if you want to win a competition or whatever, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm just trying to drink a fucking beer. I will say to that, it once you start brewing more and, you know, there's people like Georgia who are like, I want to brew to style. Yeah, of course. Like, that's just her, that's just her thing. And I kind of, I'm also in that same realm to an extent. I'm all for experimenting. I'm all for, I mean, you know, like, <laughs> I have shit in my closet. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm not going to try to define it. It just, it's whatever it is but um there is like there is a time where you'll be like well I want to make this specific beer and you aim for that beer and when it doesn't come out the way you want it it's like oh yes you know because I because I remember that was another thing we talked about in the first it's like it takes so long it's such a long process especially making a lager like I brewed that lager It'll be like a couple weeks now ago, and I'm like, thank God it's fermenting. I tasted it yesterday because I was just seeing where I was at, and I was like, oh, it tastes good. But like, you know, I hope it. Ta- I kind of still hope it tastes like what I was trying to make, which was a Czech, you know, Czech pilsner, Bohemian pilsner, whatever. So that will that will still be in the back of my mind until the end, until it comes <laughs> out. <laughs> And well, I'm drinking that. it and I'm like giving it to people and I'm like, does this taste like a Czech Pilsner? You know. Well, I guess what I'm really talking about is like in in my learning about beer, a lot of beer is like regional and it's classified regionally because of certain regional ingredients. And you can't always procure those ingredients in a certain way or like, yeah, you can adjust your water chemistry to be just like the water in a certain place or, you know, try to get. Yeah try to nail these certain numbers, but sometimes you're making substitutions or this and that, and it is good to have something to aim for. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, there's, there is a lot of like uh, gray area, I think when it comes to stuff being categorized and there's a lot of crossover too. So I just feel like people need to like relax <laughs> I know. I just I think I totally hear you. I think there's just a certain type of brewer, you know, and there everyone just has their own everyone just has their own goals when it comes to brewing and and what they yeah. what they want to do with it and get out of it. So um but I totally feel you. I mean, you know, I there be times where I'm like I didn't hit my, you know, final gravity by 2 points and my friends are like, "Well, does it taste good?" I'm like, yeah, they're like, well, relax. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I, I try to, but when you're trying to like make consistent beer, that's when it becomes a, a, a mind fuck because you're just, you just drive yourself crazy and it doesn't become fun anymore. So that's where I'm like, people just chill. Home brewing is supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be chill. Like, mm-hmm. if you're trying to start a brewery, that's, yeah, you should definitely be on top of your shit. But <laughs> home brewing is, <laughs> you drink but it. Anyway. But yeah, I think you were yeah. making a good point earlier. Like the time investment on a lager is a lot. And mm-hmm. I feel like 
it's one of those processes because it's a, it is a longer process. There's more time. There's more opportunity for things to go wrong. Like you could, you can make an IPA or you can make just like a wheat beer or an ale or something and ferment it and cram it full of CO2 and start enjoying it within like, you know, two or three weeks. And maybe there is an infect, there could be a bacteria in there. You don't even know it. It just hasn't even grown into anything yet. But in the case of a lager, like it gives it a chance for some crazy shit to happen. And you don't really know because you have to sit and wait. And lagers are so, you can't hide off flavors in lager. I mean, I've had some crazy taste in lagers, (laughs) like, you know, and it's just like, wow, this is, and that's, that's where, that's where the, the, the tough part is. And that's why home brewers don't get into lagering or brewing lagers for quite some time is because it's all about the fermentation. Yeah. And it's all about, you know, making sure those off flavors don't make their way into their into the beer well even more difficult and, uh, for home brewers is the temp control which is right, something that's what I'm that saying. yeah like i didn't when i was first starting to make ciders i'm using yeasts that had a very high range and the thing about yeasts is like if you look at the back of the yeast it'll it'll give you like a temperature range right well mm-hmm. at different temperatures you can pull out different flavors in conjunction with the hops and this and that so like for example if you're using like a saison yeast and it says i think it says something like you can go up to 87 degrees or something like that even though you can doesn't mean you should and that applies to a lot (laughs) of things in life but right (laughs) you know i i would make some real funky saison ciders and they tasted like funky saisons but then I fermented one at at a lower temperature and it was like, oh, wow, this is, I mean, I preferred it. It, it, it did some stuff. So I, the other part of the story is I was so used to those crazy yeasts. Um, I used an ale yeast and it was in the sort of spring. So it was cool. And I used it with this, uh, made a malt cider. It turned out really great. And then I tried to replicate that, that, and I couldn't find the same yeast. And, um, Brobro gave me a California lager yeast, not knowing my bad fermentation habits. (laughs) And the weather had warmed up and I put together five gallons and I had like beautiful fresh pressed juice and it smelled like, it was just like from my, my sulfur bomb. Yeah, dude. It was a fucking farts, bro. And that was like, that's the one batch I've dumped. And it was like, Wow, I really learned my yeah, lesson here, dumb bitch. <laughs> I mean, no, I've learned. I've learned. This is only my second ty- lager type beer. The first one I learned, like you really have to, you really have to, like control the the end of fermentation so that the sulfur blows off, mm-hmm. or else, or give it time, you know, or else mm-hmm. you're just gonna, it's gonna smell like rhino farts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think like, you know, the the fermentation aspect of lagering is like the main thing I think that sets it apart. It's like different yeast. It ferments on the bottom. It's like, lo, lo, like 
what is it called? There's top fermenting and then like bottom fermenting. So it's like bottom fermenting yeast at cold temp, like 50 degrees. And then it's stored cold for, and it's just like one of those beers that people are trying to figure out ways to turn it around quickly, you know, clarify it quickly. And, you know, but it's like, to me, clarif- the clarification, and I don't know, maybe someone's going to tell me I'm wrong, but the clarification is one thing, but the taste is another thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like lagering is like a mixture of, like at first I was like, oh, lagering is just trying to make it as clear, waiting so that it gets clear as possible. But I believe that it's a mix between the clarity and the maturation. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you just got to be patient. Lagering is not for the faint of heart. No. <laughs> That's what and I, a lot of commercial breweries, they they don't lager. They lager, but they don't like, they're not necessarily lagering to clear it out because they do end up filtering that yeah. beer. So yeah, as a home but brewer, I, mean, I think having that standard, I'm not going to say it's unrealistic, but it's also like chill, bro. And bro, Safina. <laughs> it just sucks because it's my favorite kind of beer mm-hmm. and the reason I've only brewed two is because I'm working on my patience you know I but feel I like all to... kinds of beers like and cider my best ciders sat in the back of the closet for like eight months and I only realized that because yeah. I forgot they were there so it wasn't I mean yeah, I think the issue is like having space at a certain temperature. Because mm-hmm. I don't, th- I don't think I would let a lager, lager, like at room temp. I would no, be more don't. comfortable if it if it lagered at like, you know, thirty six degrees, and I only have so much space in my keyser. So I'd it's probably, just you need room for it. Yeah, and you should brew it seasonally. Like you should start it in the winter and stick it out in the garage or the (sighs) or the firm seasonal brewing chamber i am kind of intrigued by seasonal brewing i think it's a cool idea um i was reading there was a part in this book that was going over um those original like laws like the the Reinhardtska boat mm-hmm. um and the uh just like the laws that came out of Bohemia um when they were so apparently they were like when they were first like starting a new nation or whatever <laughs> actually I should find it cuz it was actually pretty interesting but they just made this whole new book of rules and the and everyone everyone thinks like the Ryan Hotzka blood is like this like holy like scroll that's like you can only but it's like this little it's just a rule that's part of like a hundred rules that were part of starting this you know new mm-hmm. you know nation or whatever and um doesn't even include yeast wanna, right no it doesn't even include yeast good stuff and so <laughs> which is I think I don't know back then yeast wasn't even they didn't even know what yeast was no right? it just happened magically yeah and people's 
beers were like, let's drink it fast or else it's going to smell like or taste like. <laughs> um, but uh, let me see where let me see if I can find it. Um, OK, so. So, yeah, the Ryan Hatzikabat was just like one small law in a book of all different kinds. Uh, at the time of creating the new region of Bavaria. Um, and there was one other rule. What were we talking about before the Reinhardtska boat? The ingredients and then, oh, the seasonal thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was some rule that, like, you couldn't even brew. Like, you weren't even allowed to brew, like, in the summer. Mm-mm. And so... You know, all the brewing happened at a certain time. All the back of the day, you couldn't even brew in the summer because you were busy, Mm -hmm. like, getting all the tomatoes and the grapes and stuff for the farming. Yeah, you're busy. Actually, if we were seasonal brewing right now, we would be brewing. Look, it's July. This my uh, home brewing calendar is telling me, boom, stout, barley wine, wolf. Oktoberfest so or that Marzen. it's ready for mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Again, patience. Because I'm not going to drink a stout in August or September, but I might drink it in November or December. And that's, yeah. I feel like when I first started On- homebrewing, talking to people, everyone's like, yeah, like we're going to turn this shit around three, three weeks, four weeks. And I'm done yeah. with that. I'm done with people saying You're let's done. let's do a homebrew <laughs> fest next month. This is like pre-COVID. Let's do a homebrew <laughs> fest. Who can serve homebrew in a month? Like no. I Home- think yeah. I think the the main difference between now and like back in the day <laughs> was that <laughs> they just brewed a shit ton of beer. Mm-hmm. They stored it. They you know whatever, and they just like kept they had the space for it they had the patience for it they had mm-hmm. like a production schedule mm-hmm. and i'm not saying breweries don't have production schedules of course they do but their production schedules are wrapped around the consumer mm-hmm. versus like monks or german people who or having like, to harvest something or yeah having a har- like having to malt harvest. something yeah exactly Mm-hmm. It was just more, it just felt, it's, it's cool because it feels more like our agricultural, like, you know, back in the day or, you know, I don't know how else to say it. Um, it's it was sustainable. Just sustainable. Monks <laughs> were getting lit up at the church. Uh, like, I mean, ah. that's the life of a monk. It's just like power. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of a priest. I was going to say kiss my ring. That's different. <laughs> Well, they were saying like monks, like their their little monasteries were like basically the bar. Like, <laughs> why not? Um, so I don't know what to drink next because I have I know we're like whoop, not whoop, short on whoop, time, but whoop. we're running out of time. But I have this Munich style Helles Lager from Integrin, which I've definitely drank on this before. I don't know. And then I have the Van Ice from Van Nuys, which is another. Um, American style lager. Mm. I'll take the um. <laughs> mm, I'll take the Hellas. Hellas, okay. But I also like that name Van Nuys. That's. Amazing. I kind of want to drink the Van Nuys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. 
do it. Shout out to Erasmo because he loves a spear. He, he like knows. hates craft loggers, but he loves Van Nuys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the one you'll drink. Um, but it's interesting because I, I do like tasting um, American lagers, you know, American light lagers or whatever mm-hmm. from breweries because it's interesting to compare it to, you know, like a Coors or Bud Light or whatever. They're usually more tasty. Miller Light is the best domestic American light lager. I don't have much experience with Miller. No. Get you anything, a get you a, a rack of Miller. Maybe we'll do an episode side by side. Shotgunning Miller Light. <laughs> Shotgunning Miller Light. Yeah. And floating down a river. Just kidding. That's what I think. Whoa. She is made of water. Super crisp. That's super light and crisp looking. There is something about pouring a super clear beer that adds to the refreshing aspect of it. Yes. Um, it's hydrating. But yeah. It's like you're, yeah, it's like you're drinking water. Like, this mm-hmm. feels like I'm drinking water, basically. I actually listened to an entire NPR story about a study that said <laughs> if you're, <laughs> if you're thirsty, study. cold water tastes better. I was like, wow, we really had to do a whole study about that because that's a fucking no-brainer. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's mm. interesting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what um, is this? I'm ready for my next. I I am actually, I've actually been wanting to brew an American light lager beer for quite some time. Um, so tell me how to, the American light lager will be different from the Pilsner. So the first most obvious difference is Pilsner's that are from that are like traditional traditionally follow that Reinhardtsgebot malt hops um no adjunct water and then yeast yeah american light lagers <clears throat> came later on like much later on and they include adjuncts so like corn rice um what else I think those are like the two main adjuncts and those things, those two things are uh, like super like just add to the um, dryness because they're like highly fermentable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is, you know, there's a lot of hate on them because it's like, Oh, you're just dumping a bunch of cheap like product. It's not like malt, but you know, whatever it is, what it is like that, that happened, that piece of history happened, you know, and it is what it is. And you can make, I believe you can make a American light lager that tastes good with adjuncts. Just, you know, our, our usual ones that we see on on all the shelves are making so much that, you know, and people, I mean, people drink that shit. It's not great. Well, it's it's not like not Okay, well, when this when this law is written, 
it's not like that that region was rich with corn or rice crops anyways so it's just kind of where that came from i'm about to crack into um this is actually my new favorite crispy of the summer uh three weavers tress lager it's a 4.5 lager made with um uh, brewed with a healthy know. dose of corn and yeast from Mexico City. So mm. we'll see. Um, I did a little digging, and they do use a White Labs Mexican yeast strain that White Labs then claimed is from Mexico. Uh, and the oh. corn is it, but it 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 really does taste like um, I. I like Pacifica. Like I like, I used to like to drink Corona. Pacifica is really good. Yeah. Um, I think I could probably throw a lime in here. It's got some nice That's how you know. head retench. <laughs> Check her out. Super clear. Mira. Oh, that looks good. Pretty good. Um, I'm like so interested one. I'm actually pretty interested to know what the history of Mexican lager is. Mm-hmm. I haven't really looked into it, but I would be interested to look into that. So if any of our SCC listeners have any insight, please let us know. Because I'm like, is this like a real thing or is this something that like, you know, bre- American breweries are just like, oh, like, let's make this style. Well, no, and- I think it's the country's answer to it's. Mexico's own domestic lager. And what is that? I can't imagine it being any coming about. Look, somebody probably knows. Um, we'll find out. I'm, that's <laughs> what I said. I'm, I'm interested because, I don't know, Mexican lager is, it just seems so the thing to make. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I was I trying mean, to it's... figure out. Is this hype just to throw the word Mexican on it or say? But mm-hmm. it is kind of the corn is the element that makes it yeah. Mexican lager. And I did Mine's... look that up. And, you know, it also has those commercial examples that we're all very familiar with. A Corona, a Modella, and on and on that goes great with sitting on the beach in Puerto Vallarta or anywhere else. Amazing. Hot temperatures. Yeah. That's where a lot of so those good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hot temperatures. Do you ever use look, corn? Guys, look, guys. I've used corn. I've used flaked corn one time in that Kentucky Common I made. Oh. Um, and that it's kind of sweet, yeah. right? Makes it a little sweet. I have no idea. I should. Uh, I've I've been wanting to use rice. I've been wanting to make mm. a. Um, I've been wanting to make a Japanese lager, I guess. Yes. I have like a bunch of Sriracha Ace just hops just like sitting in my freezer. But it's like one of those things where you have to you have to get that rice, you got to cook it, and you got to throw it in the mash, you got to make sure oh, really? mash you have to cook it stuck. first before you put it in the mash. Mm-hmm. You can't run it it's, through the mill. You, it, oh, it's like not even uh malt it. Okay, got it. When you cook it, I guess when you cook it, you're converting it into what it it's supposed to like. I don't know. I I should do more research, but 
you're when you cook it, you're converting it into something that can convert into whatever it needs to in the mash. So you have to cook it first, which is like um, I'm making a Lady five Face. gallon have batch. You been to, have you been to Lady Face? No, in no. Angora they Hills. Talked about it. I know. I need to. Go. They make a they very good, nice um, rice lager, and I also have a new favorite on the rice lager, uh, the Aleworks Palmera Pilsner. Yeah, made with jasmine rice super good yeah i like actually trustworthy has a good one in burbank called giggle pills that's also a rice lager it's pretty good that's a cute name yeah (laughs) i'm probably saying it wrong but Mm. it's pretty good it's a crispy i will say this um mexican lager is sweeter i think because of the corn it doesn't have uh it's not spicy or as dry as there some other light lagers I've had. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I don't know. We've had some good crispies. Um, I guess we'll let you know. I'll let you. I'll update y'all about this Czech Pilsner that I'm making. Um, do you want to do a quick update on? what we're brewing on now or I got nothing I'm gonna brew uh my first IPA (laughs) I don't really want to talk about it but (laughs) all right well we'll save that for another episode I get no I'm not that I don't want to talk about it but I'm gonna brew an IPA it's not my favorite style I'm making it for someone else that I'm married to and that's what you do I would say the main thing to worry about is mm-hmm. like the amount of hops you're using is going to you're going to lose a lot of volume. Oh, cuz they're going to soak it all up. Prepared for it. They're just going to be at the bottom. When you chill it down, you're going to be like, "What the what? heck? I just lost a gallon of <laughs> beer because of all these hops." Ooh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it depends on how much. So, maybe take that into account when you're doing measuring out your volumes and stuff but um you'll be fine right on how about you what's your next move so if you follow me on instagram you know i do these like polls <laughs> oh, I'm like, yeah. what should i brew next because it's more fun i forgot I don't about re- that there's so many things that i want to brew and sometimes i don't want to choose i just want other people to choose for me so I put it on my story, something British or something Belgian, and something Belgian won. I'm actually surprised. So I think I'm going to try to brew a Belgian blonde ale because I've been wanting to do that for a while. And I actually bought a couple like classic Belgian blondes from Valley Bev, like, you know, like from the other side of the world. And tried them. They're pretty good. And yeah, I think I'm going to probably try that out on my new system. And um, tell us about your new system. I'm going to have a terrible brew day. <laughs> no, <laughs> stop. Oh, yeah. No, it's like the first time on like a new. Uh, so I got a converted keg, which is called a kegel. And so it's basically a 15 gallon. <laughs> it's a 15 gallon pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, it's good cause I don't have to worry about boil overs and I can, 
I can take the hit from hops and trube and not get under like six or five gallons, which is nice. I can do longer boils. Um, So, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I just, that's my new piece of equipment. So Hmm. (laughs) I'm excited. It's kind of heavy, but I can manage. I always want to say Kegel, but it is Kegel. I know you want to say Kegel. (laughs) We all do. I'm doing them right now. Anyways. Hey. Hey now. After dark. After two beers. (laughs) Listen, this was a great episode. We love you. Thank you for listening. If you have any suggestions, your answer, any of our baffling questions, you want to explain something to us or you want to make a recommendation for a brewing experiment you go and you slide into the dms of brewed up podcast on instagram or email us at is it brewed up podcast i think it's it's brewed up podcast at gmail.com okay okay cool well yeah tyler thank you i'm glad you're reading that that book yeah, I'm going to keep reading it. It's very informative. I suggest other people read. Um, I can't wait to finish it, honestly, and then read it again. <laughs> I think other people um, should read, too, just in general. Yeah, just in general. I'm trying to read, like, this yeast book, and I'm just trying to be learned, you know? So I don't sound like a dumb-dumb. That's okay. I'm reading <laughs> John Palmer's book. It's pretty good. J Palm. Yeah, What's up, homie? I mean, it's not as bad as people some people have say, but it he does think very highly of himself. But hell, he wrote a book, so Yeah. There you go. I've actually met him in person and mm-hmm. he's so humble. Oh, <laughs> he's okay. like not a prick. Yeah, he's like <laughs> not like he doesn't seem conceited at all, so well, he's very I thorough he's just, with this information. Oh, he's fucking nerdy as shit. Mm-hmm. Like, trust me. I was like, ooh, he's calculating, like, mm-hmm. talking to a female right now. But mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> any, I guess uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Um, that was chill. I think I just, I really enjoyed just, like, drinking these crispies and talking about stuff so yeah just to kick back kb all right bye-bye everyone we'll see you next week Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Podcast and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Feel free to also rate and review the show. The Brewed Up Music is produced by LA Legend producer Elusive. 